0: There is nothing the Lord cannot do. There is nothing the Lord cannot do. There is nothing the Spirit of God cannot do.
1: There is nothing
0: the Lord cannot do, cannot do. There is nothing the Lord cannot do, there is nothing the
1: Lord cannot do, there is nothing nothing in the Spirit of God.
0: And so, gracious Father, we confess that there is nothing you cannot do. As high as the heavens may be, as far as the ends of the earth may be, O Lord, you are well able to cross the oceans and the isles and reach that lonely soul that is crying out to you. Lord, make tonight yet another time of visitation. Grant us the grace, O Lord, to hear you clearly and distinctly. Father, may your word address the challenges of our lives. May your healing become our portion. Let sense retire, let flesh be dumb, and let your spirit have its way at this hour. As I open my mouth, O Lord, fill it, and as your people incline their ears speak into their hearts. Hold sway at this hour. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And let the people say... Amen. Amen. Yesterday we began to meditate on this theme. Living by every word of God. And we began to see... That is like a creed with God, a pattern with God, a method with God. That each and every one of us would live by every word of God. That we will come to know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. As I was just sitting here in the morning, something crossed my mind. If somebody asked you, what does it really mean to live by every word of God? What, how would you define it? I attempt to, add, to define it. What does it mean to live by every word of God? I have not started. I am just clearing the grounds. Praise the Lord. Number one. The word made flesh already dwells in your life. Does Jesus Christ live in your heart? You remember He's the word made flesh. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when he said he came to his own, his own did not receive receive him, but as many as received him, he gave the power, the authority to become children of God, even to those that called upon His name. So the beginning point of living by every word of God is to let the Word made flesh. Come into your heart by faith. John was writing in 1 John 11 to 13. He said, there is a testimony we have. And this testimony is that God gave us life. And this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God does not have life. He said, I write this to you that you may know, those of you who believe in the Lord, that you have eternal life. That is the beginning point of living by every word of God. Secondly, daily, hourly, seven minute, every minute of the day, you refresh your life, yourself, from the fountain of living waters, even the word of God. You are daily refreshed by that word. I usually tell the story of when I was a copper, it was the most glorious year in my, I think in my Christian experience. I had learned so many things on campus. Uh, when I went on youth call, there was no lecture to attend, no compulsory uh, scheme to pursue. I was free now to seek God and to serve God the way I knew best. Those were the times I would kneel down and heaven would be opened. Those were the times I would bow down my head and God will speak to me, not just for now, but for the days ahead, what the things that would come to pass. And each day as I went to refresh myself from the water of God's word, God had something new to speak to me. If you want to live by every word of God, you will do that daily. Thirdly, you will let the word of God influence your thoughts, your words and your conduct. Every thought of your heart should be subjected to the authority of the word. The other day in my family uh, devotion, we were just thinking, we read a passage. If you use um, a daily guide, you would know that it talks about knowledge puffing up. And then I said, as I began to discuss a theme I liked so much, I discovered that it is very easy to be puffed up because you have knowledge. And then I began to think, how do I stop myself from being puffed up? No other way than to remember the word of God. Once you remember, as you're feeling puffed up, you remember that the Word of God says, knowledge puffs up. It deflates that puffing up. It's a way that a man can keep himself. That's what the psalmist said. How can a man keep, a young person keep his way? By taking heed to God's Word. Let the Word of God influence your thoughts. Let it influence your conduct. Let it influence your words. As you speak, speak words of grace. That will minister to all who hear you. Fourthly. Let the word of God be so much part of your being. That you will yourself become a living word. The apostle Paul talked about the epistles read by all men. When you allow the word of God to take firm grip in your life. You will become the epistle that men will read. There are people who will never read their Bibles. The only Bible they read will be you. All of them said, Come, come, come. I thought they said you people don't drink. I saw one of your brothers drinking. That's, that's, you ask him where they said you shouldn't drink in the Bible. He, doesn't have that, he has never read it. He doesn't know where it is. He doesn't know whether it exists. All he knows is that this is the creed that these people uh, live by. So be an epistle. Be like Jesus, the Word made flesh. That's what God wants of you. And then finally, produce fruits. Multiply. Go on and plant many more seeds of the word of God in the lives of others. So that there will be a multiplication of words made flesh. This is my own interpretation of the theme. There are many different... I don't believe in anybody who says this is the final revelation by no means. As God ministers to you, pursue it. Praise the Lord. Remember I said, I'm just clearing the ground. I have not started the message. A couple of months ago, actually, I think it was last year. I started doing a study about the Jews. I don't know how many of you have read that book. Breaking the Jewish Code by Perry Stone. Has anybody ever read it here? Yeah? Oh, praise God. Wonderful book. Breaking the Jewish Code. Another person wrote another one. Stephen sillybag He called it the Jewish phenomenon. He said, Seven Secrets of the Jewish Way of Life. A third person, a rabbi, with uh, some other person, wrote another one. They called it Jewish wisdom for business success. What is it, all, is it all about? Trying to understand the secret of the Jewish people. Let me give you a brief background. They were wiped out as a nation, conquered, defeated, deported from their land, posted to all parts of the world. You go to uh, Russia, you find some of them. You go to Ethiopia, you find some of them. You go to Germany, you find some of them. You go to U.S, you find everywhere. And everywhere they went, they were treated as nobodies, maltreated, crushed, persecuted. Somebody said the world competed with the Jews, but the problem was that the Jews had their hands tied behind their back. How do you survive? When somebody ties your hand behind your back and you are in a race with them. That was the situation of the Jews. But the Jews survived. After 1939 years, they returned to their homeland and became a nation again. For almost 2,000 years, there was no nation called Israel. For almost 2,000 years, they had no flag, no anthem. No language. No capital. Nothing. No other nation on earth could survive that type of colonialism. They came back and became, somebody said they were resurrected from the graveyard of history. And they became a nation again. Today, Israel is less than 20% of 1%. In other words, 0.02% of the world population. Yet, over 40% of Nobel Prize winners in the world are Jews. Over 25% of Nobel winning organizations are Jew- Jewish or co-Jewish. 45% of richest Americans are Jews. Thirty-three percent of their millionaires have Jewish roots. Forty percent of their law partners in New York and Washington State are Jews. Twenty percent of the leading professors in American universities are Jews. Their women fighter pilots are considered the best in the whole world. Their agriculturists cannot be matched. They turn the desert into a garden. And now they are exporters of citrus fruits to the whole of the world. They are the best industrialists, the best security experts. What is the secret of the Jews? They have the genes of God. They live by the word of God, the much they know. They call it the Torah. The first five books of the Bible, that's their Torah. That's their word that can never be violated. They weave it into their way of life. Their customs, their traditions are based on that word. They become a wonderful example of what happens when people live by the word of God. Of course you can expand it to mean more things. They found the grace. They are part of the covenant people. They descended from Abraham. Abraham. But so are we. We are even in a better position than them. What are we doing with the word that God has given us? Many years ago, I was traveling from many quite a year, from this Enugu. One of those days, I decided to go by a Kenydelichu bus. In those days, and when we got into this boss. One young man stood up to preach. Somebody, Suleiman. And he preached. He didn't know too much Bible. But he had a message to preach. And when the vehicle stopped at ORE for refreshment, I walked up to him to talk with him. This young man was an undergraduate then at University of Jaws. And during those days that strike would make schools to close for months. He, was, he found himself doing nothing, waiting for graduation. And so he told me the story of his life. He went to chase a girl. A girl called Rita. He only remembered her name as Rita from Umbano. He knows no other thing about her. And he said, he said if I see this girl, eh, so beautiful, he said he must get this girl. Well, he walked in and discovered that the girl was a born again child of God and while he was talking love the girl was talking another kind of love and at some point the girl started playing a game with him well come to my church I will follow you to your mosque and he said okay that's a wager he followed her to church fellowship, Christian fellowship on campus and there was a program going on as the minister of God brought the word, brought the word the boy started feeling uncomfortable he decided to run away and it was already night and when he was running away he took a shortcut back to the campus he didn't know that the cultists were operating that night and they caught him put him into their car unfortunately for him he recognized one of them and so he called his name say are you the person doing this to me they bundled him into a car sat on top of him and the vehicle was speeding as, they, as if they were being chased by the devil and he said he found himself wanting to pray. He didn't know whether to pray to the God of the Muslim or to pray to the God of the Christian. He said, Whichever one it is, just save me. Because the, it was clear the boys wanted to kill him. And as this vehicle was speeding, it had an accident. Went up and down and whatever. I think one or two died on the spot. And the other one was hospitalized and later died. He was, I think, the only survivor. And he was unconscious for how long? He said he just knew that in his unconscious state, he saw himself at the pinnacle. Somebody threw him down. He was about to die. And as he was falling and falling and falling and falling, he just said, God help me.
1: God help
0: me. And then he woke up. He was on a hospital bed. He was still alive. And you know, his father had sent him to school to be a Quranic teacher. So it was tried. They didn't know how to handle it. He was disowned, sent away, and he just went out holding the gospel of Jesus Christ. What am I laying the background for? The power of the word to sustain and transform. (laughs) In fact, the boy told me something. He said, you people have had the Bible all your lives. And you don't seem to know the value. In fact, somebody said, if you go to preach to a Muslim, and you treat your Bible carelessly, he will not listen to you. He said, if you can treat the word of God like this, how do you want me to follow you? He said, you have had it all your lives. It's, you don't take it as something critical. You don't want to follow his dictates. When did they captured him that night? One of the prayers he prayed, he said, God, if you deliver me from the hands of these people, I will never run away from a church ever again in my life. The young man became a preacher. His father, who was a Quranic teacher in a mosque, disowned him, but he still held on to the word. Living by every word of God. I read in the Bible about a man. You find it in numbers. I won't take you there. I want us to concentrate on a section of New Testament today. I'm still clearing the ground. A man. God had spoken a word. This land is your own. Yesterday I told you about the Israelites. Who traveled from the land of Egypt. To the land of uh, Canaan. They didn't have an army. They didn't have the military training. They didn't have the armory. They didn't have anything. They were passing through hostile country. Trying to take over a land that people had occupied for 400 years. How do you tell them to get up? You say God gave you. Well, where have you been 400 years? My father and my great-grandfather and my great-great-great-grandfather gave me this land. So how can you come now and take over? So they didn't know. That was the situation they faced as they came. But they had only one thing. The Lord said, This land I have given it to you and to your inheritance, to your heirs forever. And so they kept marching. And when they came to the borders of the land, Moses called them and said, Twelve men, one from every tribe, go and survey the land and bring me back word. Let me know how the situation stands. And when they went and came back, they saw things. Ten men said, We saw giants. And they saw giants. They were giants. The sons of Anakim. The men who had six, you know, the descended. It was from them that Goliath descended. Six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. Tall, gigantic figures who were just active war machines. So, there was no doubt. That it was a difficult, you know, a, a hard sell. He said, look, that, we can't go there. We can't take this land. If you see these kind of people we saw there. And their cities were fortified. The walls of Jericho were so fat that people built their houses on top. Including rehab the prostitutes. Don't even try. You can't. After traveling for 40 years, you came to the task. And they are telling you to abandon it. But two men who live by every word of God said We are able to go up and take the country to possess the land from Jordan to the sea Though the giants may be on our way to hinder." God will surely give us victory, victory. Only move on to the righteous side. Move on to the
1: righteous side. Move on to the righteous side side with God. Hallelujah, move Move on to the the righteous side, move on to the righteous side, move on to the righteous side side. side
0: with God. Two men, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb said, forget about all this wahala. As for this land, we will take it. If the Lord has mercy on us. And as spoken, we will use those giants for breakfast. Let us go. The other said, impossible. And as they were, they were ready to stone them. You know what God said? God said, Caleb has a different spirit. Numbers chapter 14. Go back and read it. He said, he is ruled by a different spirit. Tonight, I want to ask you. What spirit rules you? is a critical question in living by every word of God. If the right spirit rules you, every enemy will be unto you a source of breakfast. You will step on them to resolve the things that God has planned for you. Caleb battled. For 45 years he followed Israel around. God said something. Because Caleb was faithful and Joshua, of all the people 20 years and above, only those two made it to the promised land. All the rest, their bones were scattered in the desert. It is dangerous to toy with the word of God. Maybe before we are through with this study, we will mention it a little bit more. We may talk about Zechariah, the prophet, the great priest. Who received the word of God and said, how can, how will it be? And Gabriel said, Archangel Gabriel, I am Archangel Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of the Lord. And I bring you the word of God and you don't believe. You will not talk again until this thing comes to pass. Or do I talk about the aid to the king of Israel? The prophet brought a word and said, by this time tomorrow... A bag of rice, five naira. He said it is impossible. Even if God were to open a window in heaven, how can it be? He said, you will see it, but you will not partake of it. It is dangerous to trifle with the authority of the word of God. Caleb, 45 years after God spoke to him, if you go to Joshua chapter 14, He stood before Joshua and said, Sir, do you remember the word God spoke 45 years ago? It still rings in my heart till today. Give me that mountain. I will possess my possessions. I don't know whether there is anybody here tonight who wants to say, I will possess my possessions. Who wants to say, God has spoken. I believe it. It is settled. Someone who will face the challenges and triumph and be God's mystery to a world that is perishing. God is posting men like letter to the world, epistles to be read by men. And God helping us, we will become instruments in God's hands for the accomplishment of His purpose. Praise the Lord. Can we go to Matthew chapter 13? That is actually where I want to concentrate our message for today. I want somebody to read for us Matthew 13, 18 to to 23, and 37 to 38. Now, I want to say something ahead of time. Jesus Christ told two fundamental parables at the beginning of his ministry about the kingdom of God. One was the parable of the sower. The other one was the parable of the wheat and the tires. I want to suggest that those two parables are one. One is a continuation of the other. And Jesus Christ was laying down a lesson that is going to be very dramatic for men of this generation. Which, when we catch the message that God is conveying, God will sustain us as we want to live by every word of God. Can somebody read that passage for us? Matthew 13, from verse 18 to 23, and from 37 to 38.
2: Listen then and learn what the parable of the power means. Those who hear the message about the kingdom but do not understand it are like the seeds that fell along the path. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in them. The seeds that fell on rocky ground stand for those who receive the message gladly as soon as they hear it, but it does not sink deep into them, and they don't last long. So when trouble or persecution comes because of this message, they give up at once. The seeds that fell among thorns, bushes. Stand for those who hear the message, but the worries about this life and the love for riches choke the message, and they don't hear barefoot. And the seeds sown in the good soil stand for those who hear the message and understand it. They barefoot, some as much as 100, others 60, and others 30.
0: Go to 37, 38.
2: Jesus answered, The man who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the people who belong to the kingdom. The wits are the people who belong to the evil one.
0: Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Did you get the story? Very familiar? If there is one, one parable that everybody knows about the Bible, is the parable of the sower. A sower went to sow. And we are told Jesus, it was so important that Jesus interpreted the parable by himself. And even the next one that followed, the wheat and the tares, he also gave a detailed interpretation of that one. He was not going to take chances. He wanted to make sure that everybody understood what it meant. And he said now, the sower... It's the Son of Man, Jesus Himself, the Lord of the harvest. The day I began to consider what it means that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, I got very excited. I don't know about you, but if you have been planting on your field and not getting good returns, report to the Lord of the harvest. He's in charge. He knows all the ways in and out of planting and reaping. Even if the seed you planted is the wrong strain on that soil, at times the, 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 the specialist will tell you, "See, this kind of soil cannot produce this kind of fruit. Tell the Lord of the harvest. There is nothing beyond Him. Maybe in your profession, you have labored so much and brought so little. There is a Lord of the harvest. Talk to Him. Anyway, here we see him going out to sow. And what was he sowing? The seed. Can somebody read for us Luke chapter 8 verse 11? He sowed something. He sowed something. What was it he was sowing? Luke chapter 8 verse 11.
3: Luke chapter 8 verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God.
0: Praise the Lord. Just there. The seed is the 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 seed is the word of God. Full stop. The issue is that they hear the word. The Bible said the first said, did not understand. And they, they say it in Ibo? to so he did to understand the message. So he didn't profit him. And he said, because he did not understand, what happened? The devil just flew like a bird and picked it up. He called it, said, the birds, the fowls, they represent now in this parable, the devil. Picking out the word. And so the word doesn't, you know, infl- achieve any, pro- uh, any real good in their lives. But there was another that said they received the word, and very anxiously, very you know excitedly, it sprouted, and there was so much promise. The day, broke. how many will give their lives? I will give my life. But that's where the end ends. Excited, he said, but they have no roots, no roots. They can't endure, and so what happens? The thing dies out. It becomes a nine-day wonder. Now, after I accepted Christ, March 11, 1973, I went home, slept that night, woke up around 1 a.m. I said, come, what happened yesterday, by the way? I didn't quite understand it. But one thing I remember, somebody told me, you are now a child of God. And whatever you ask God, He will do for you, because you are His child. I got up and knelt down. That time I had finished HSC, higher school. And I wanted to work before going to the university. So that I have a little money to throw around. And I've been searching for a job for three months. March 11 was that day. No way. It's when you look for a job that you understand the meaning of this no vacancy. You come to a place, they tell you we need five years of, uh, uh, experience. Take me now so that I will begin to get the experience. They say experience. I looked. Uh, so that night I got up I knelt down. I said, God, I want a job. And I want it now, 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 now. I said, look, and I want you to do it in such a way that it will become clear to me that you gave me this job, no other person. I don't want accidental discharge. Let me know that you gave me the job. Early Monday morning, by evening of Wednesday, I had a job. And the kind of job I was called and said, come and take a job. What happened? I was living with my brother's wife in Arrochuku and to get teachers to go to Ututu to go and teach in a remote place was so difficult. The then sole administrator in the State Education Commission gave the principal free hand. If you get anybody who will agree to come to your school, I will give the person a job. And she had not heard of me all along. But when I prayed that prayer Monday morning, she heard of me. And by Wednesday evening, she invited me. When I came, she interviewed me that evening. God has always helped me. My CV had always been very impressive, even from then. She read my testimonial, read everything. I said, come tomorrow and start work. Praise the Lord. What are you doing with the seed you have been receiving every day? When the, when the word of God is preached, are you, what do you do with it? Hebrews chapter 4 said, the word they received did not mix with faith in them. And so, it did not profit them at all. They can preach from morning till night. If you do not with your faith receive it and apply it to your life, it will pass you by. But then that was not all. There were those who fell by, uh, by thorns and thistles they grew up alright, they looked promising, but the thorns choked them, and the word of God said they could not produce, but there were those who fell on good soil, and they produced a bounty a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirty fold. May you produce a hundredfold in the name of Jesus. We begin to see the plan of God. We have read, in, uh, we heard in uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 11 that the seed is the word of God. Did we see that? Now look at, consider what we read in Matthew 13, 37 and 38. What does it say? Can somebody read it again? Matthew 13, 37 and I want us to look at those two scriptures. Matthew 13, 37 to 38.
3: He answered... The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. That one is already account, uh, uh,
0: accepted. Jesus is the sower.
3: The field is the world. Yes. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. Uh-huh. The weeds are the people who are the evil ones.
0: Praise the Lord. Did you get that? The good seed are the sons of the kingdom. Now, now, now. Uh, let's get this thing clear. You remember Luke chapter 8 verse 11. What does it say? The seed is the word. Now look at, let's look at look Matthew 37-38. The good seed is what? The sons of the kingdom. That includes women. So those who said, children, you are right. Women are part of the sons there. How can he... Which one is it? Is it the seed? Or is it the good seed? When does it move from just the word to human beings. That is the journey that God wants you and I to undertake. To receive the good seed. To internalize the good seed. So that we become in ourselves the good seed. God's plan is that not just that the word will remain hidden away in the scriptures, in the Bible, but that our lives will become representatives of that word. God is looking for the sons of the kingdom. Those who live by every word of God, they are the sons of the kingdom. They have received the seed. And they have internalized the seed. And they have become in themselves the good seed. Paul was writing in Galatians chapter 1. Let's just look at it very quickly. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, Let me read from verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through His grace, to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him, among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Uh, I don't know. Are there many versions of that verse 16 here? Uh, Is NIV here? Okay. Read NIV. Let me hear what NIV says in that verse 16.
3: To reveal his son in me so that I might preach among him. Okay. That's all
0: what I want. To reveal his son in me. Uh, Any other version? That's, that's all I want. Any other version? Any other version?
3: New, li- new Living Translation.
0: Okay.
3: It says, to reveal His Son to me.
0: Okay. That one says, to reveal His Son to me. Any other version? Living Bible. L- let me hear it. To reveal His Son within me so that I could go to the Gentiles and show them the good. Hallelujah! In fact, that one puts it even better. God wants to reveal His Son, not just to you, but in you. I'm not sure you get what I'm saying. When He reveals the Son to you, you will see the Son, isn't it? You will recognize the Son. But when He reveals the Son in you, people will see you and see the Son. The plan of God is that the seed will become flesh. Not just for Jesus Christ, where the word became flesh. But you and I, as we hear the word, as we live by the word, we will become the word made flesh. And men will see us and recognize that these people are the people of God. I want to talk about the two Sauls tomorrow, Saul of Tarsus and Saul of uh, Saul of Tarsus and Saul the son of Kish. I want to talk about them tomorrow. So I'm resisting the temptation to give too much example with Saul who became Paul, but he was a man who could say that Jesus was revealed in me. No wonder he could say. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. But the life I live in the flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's all the life I live now. Everything about me is Jesus. That is the challenge of living by every word of God. God wants us to become sons of the kingdom. And I want to leave a challenge with us. The greatest wonder of the kingdom of God are the sons of the kingdom. Let me begin by saying, I'm going to say a few things about the sons of the kingdom. Number one, they are God's new creation. Nothing like them had ever happened before. You know, some, some Bibles say, um, I, I, Second um, uh, Corinthians 5.17. Eh? To those who, uh, how do, Second Corinthians 5.17, can somebody read it for us? And I want somebody to read it from, if you can read it from King James, another person may read it from NIV, if you have it in the Living Bible, also read it.
3: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come.
0: Did you hear that? If any man is in Christ, the new creation, it didn't say new creature, but there's a version that will say new creature. The new creation has uh, Come. come. The old has gone, the new
3: is here. The old
0: with whatever it represents is gone. A new one has arrived. Can somebody read another version? Another version? King James, and, and living Bible, anyone? Uh huh. Okay, New King
2: James. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation.
0: A new creation. I'm so happy at that choice of
2: words. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new.
0: Hallelujah. I think it's only King James that you'll find that to say new creature. Some people, somebody wrote a a, a book. I think it's Jehovah's Witness. They said, uh, "Paradise lost, paradise regained." And they said, "In in Jesus, we regain paradise. We go beyond that." God carried out a coup that the portals of hell did not understand when he brought us forth. It was a completely new thing. God. The word of God said, The soul that sinned shall do what? Die. So I sinned. So I died. The death penalty was upon my life. I was dead. Finished with. Then God, in His grace, came and said, Because you believe in my Son Jesus, I restore you to life. The law became confused. The law said, I cannot kill a man two times. Are you aware of that? The law cannot kill two times. This man sinned. I have killed him. He's dead. Who is this one who is still alive again? He is God's new creation. That's why the Apostle Paul said, We are no longer under the law, we are under grace. That's why he said, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. In the things I could not do, God has taken me and put me in a place that I can do it. Not by my strength, but by His grace. I remember one of my friends. He used to be the president of my full gospel chapter in Jaws. An engineer. He, he was just giving an illustration. Can a man fly? Say said no. Can a house fly? I said no. Can a building fly? I said no. I said but if you take a car and put into a plane. And close the door, the cabin door. And you stop the engine. And the the plane tags off. What happens? A higher law is superimposed upon the law of gravity. And the individual is lifted up. A man who cannot fly is flying more than 30,000 feet above sea level. Looking down at every other thing. He's flying. But not by his strength. He was put into something. And that something lifted him. Above every obstacle and every challenge. That is the new creation. God brought a man. And discharged every accusation that stood against him. I was reading in the book of Romans. How the, book, the the writer of the Romans began to describe our freedom. He said God gave us three freedoms that nobody could give us. Freedom from the power of sin. So we, can, we are no longer under sin. We, we, no sin has no longer any dominion over us because we are not under law; we are under grace. Power of sin destroyed, dominion of the law terminated, and the fear of death abrogated. The new creation—that's where God has put us, sons of the kingdom, because we live and walk by God's eternal word. <laughs> There's a a poem, or rather a, a trite saying I like repeating. God formed man, but sin deformed man. Education only informs man. Religion attempts to reform man, but only Jesus can transform man. In Jesus Christ, we take on a new shape, take on a new look, and look at what, what we read. He said, "The seed of the Word of God dwells in us." Can somebody read from me First John chapter three, eight and nine? Another person, First 1 Peter 1, 23. three. 1 First John chapter three, eight and nine says.
3: But if you keep on sinning, mm-hmm. it shows that you belong to Satan, who since he first began to sin has kept steady, steadily at it. But the Son of God came to destroy these works of the devil. The person who has been born into God's family does not make a practice of sinning, because now God's life is in
0: him, so he can't keep on sinning.
1: Praise the Lord.
0: Very good interpretation, but I want somebody to read it from either day. New King James, or maybe even NIV. What's another rendering of it, yes? NIV. Uh-huh. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Mm-hmm. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. Hallelujah! That was the point I wanted to bring out. God's what? Biologists, you know what I mean. If somebody says the seed of God, you know what it means. If he says the egg of a woman, you know what that means. The very life of God is in the believer who is born again. Remember, seed is the secret of life. Why do we have a harvest? Because we planted a seed. It will die, germinate and bring forth. The life is in the seed. Without the seed, there is no life. Without the seed, there is no hope of a harvest. Without the seed, the future is not secure. But the seed of God dwells in the child of God. And that seed avails for us. Some years ago, I have mentioned this time and time again. I listened to Benny Hinn. I don't often do. Because there are too many showmen in the world of Christendom. I don't listen too much to them, but I, I was a day I heard him speak on grace, and I was, very, I was so struck I took it down. He said, "Men killed God's only begotten Son by our sin and our actions. God could have retaliated to wipe us out. That would be revenge. He did not. He could have used the law to deal with us. That would be justice. He did not. He chose to forgive us and treat us as if we never sinned at all. He chose to adopt us in the name of the son he loved. He chose to bestow upon us all the inheritance due to that his son. He resolved to love us to the same degree He loved His Son. That is grace. If it is not amazing, what is? Praise the Lord. We are talking about God's new creation. But that's not all. The sons of the kingdom are people whose lives are founded or anchored upon the word of God's revelation. Again, read with me Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Let me begin from verse 13. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Note how we are progressing on verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Nineteen. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Praise the Lord. I don't know whether you get the drift of what the master is saying there. He threw a challenge. Who do men say I am? Peter gave a revelational word. You are Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus said, It's not flesh and blood that revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then began to speak. On this revelation, on this rock, I will build my church. But he didn't stop there. He said with it also comes the keys of the kingdom. Brethren, I don't know whether you have ever wondered why should heaven have keys? Are they trying to lock some people out and allow some people to be locked in. Why? I like the way one brother put it. He said every treasure that the world has is guarded by a door and a lock anywhere there is a treasure there is a door and there is a lock heaven has treasure and that treasure has also a door and it has a lock thank God that the door is Jesus and the keys have been given to who the sons of the kingdom Living by the word carries with it the responsibility. Each time I look at that passage where the Lord said, Look, I've given you the keys, I get excited. It reminds me that I'm in a position of authority. If I don't tell people about Jesus, they will die in their sin and they will go to hell. I hold the key. I have access because I hold the key. While people are bothered and fighting over nothing, I walk in where it matters and I obtain help and grace for the time of need. One brother, when he comes for a a prayer meeting, he will look around. I say, Receive strength. We have access. We walk in and we draw down the power of God. Wherever you are, Whatever the land. In some territories. They say Christianity is not allowed here. Go into some Muslim countries. As they are searching your bag and they see a Bible. They shred it. They just put it in the shredder. It will turn it to rubble. But whether they shred the Bible or not. Even there. The spirit of God will invade. Once you bow the knee. You have access before God. I may not have a lot of assets. But I have access. And once you kneel down, the veil is parted, and we enter into the Holy of Holies. The sons of the kingdom. There are privileges. But it's also a responsibility. If we do not converse the grace of God, men will not see and find their way. Did we not read yesterday about the, in the beginning was the word. He said the word was life. And the word was what? The light of men. Every man that has walked upon the earth. If we do not hold up that word. Men will walk in darkness. And death will be visited upon their lives. But we have the key. Heaven trusts us. God trusts us. He has put the key in your hand. You know when I read certain things in the Bible. I ask God questions. He said behold I have given you the keys of David. And I ask God, why keys of David? What does David got to do with this one? I don't know what that means. I don't know the blacksmith that forged that particular key. But I know that the Bible calls it the keys of David. He said, when I open, no one can shut. And when I shut, no man can open And when the key is turned, every impossibility becomes possible. Have you not heard about David? How he faced a giant, a hulk of a man? With just a slingshot and five smooth stones. Don't ask me what they mean. I don't know. Some people say five is grace. Some people say five is Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Some people say five. Whatever they say, let them say. All I know is that five smooth stones. And when he held it by the hand of God, the stone was driven into the forehead of Goliath. Maybe that's what he's referring to. That you hold the keys of David. Each day you cower and you bow under the pressure of life. And you act as if you have no helper. Heaven has not helped me. Yet you hold the key. The word of God is making it clear. That because we have the key, we are legitimate sons. We don't jump in through the window. Somebody said, if people are struggling for a parcel of land, and you have the C of O, you don't argue with them, you just ignore them. When they finish, you just flash out your C of O, and the ownership will be settled. We hold the C of O, the sons of the kingdom. But that's not all that God wants us to know as the sons. He also wants us to be aware that we are called to walk in the realm of the supernatural. God wants you to know that as long as you live by every word of God, the supernatural will become commonplace with you. Anytime we say this, people will say, Well, does that mean that uh, every day, uh, miracle, uh, this will happen, the other one will happen? Friend, <laughs> in fact, there was a day I was invited to teaching hospital. That, that wasn't that we took us there then, it was at the usual place um, beside the old park many years ago. And they asked me to It was a funny program that day. They said it was a seminar sermon. I've never heard that that until that day. That was a good new one for me. They said seminar and sermon. Don't just do and run away. We will ask you questions. (laughs) Say you know when people deliver sermon you stand six feet above contradiction. Nobody can argue with you. You Say and finish like inaugural lecture. They say we want to ask questions. And know the You know the topic. In a teaching hospital where doctors are. They tell us the place of miracle in Christianity. As I searched the scriptures for that meeting. I kept remembering what Jesus said. He said. There were many lepers in the day of Naaman. But to none of them was Elisha sent. But to Naaman the Syrian. And then he said also. You remember Elisha and the Shunammite woman? There were many widows. But to none was he sent. But to the, is it Shunammite or Seraphite now? Woman. And so, I began to understand. Miracles are part of our Christian life. If you don't believe in miracles, I pity you. You are in a terrible strait. If your Christianity is only at the level of the natural You must believe God for the impossible. But, remember, God is sovereign. I will pray. I will believe God. I will command. I will fast. I will pray. But ultimately, the decision belongs to God. If it pleases God to say no, He knows why. I may not know why. If I attempt to explain, I will not get it right. What of if that person is healed and his letter slides into, you know, backslides and ceases to be a Christian? What of if he gets well and then down the road something more terrible happens that I don't know of? I can't explain it. But there is a God who sees the end from the beginning and He is sovereign. And when he rules, his rule is final. So, our duty is to walk with confidence, trusting God. My brother, any file that God has not closed will surely be opened in the name of Jesus. And any file he wants to be closed, no matter what happens, it must be closed. When we walk with God, we should realize that the dividing line between the natural and the supernatural is blood. They are all part of one continuing presence or in the presence of the Lord. We must trust Him. We must look up to Him. We must be open to Him to do what He wills to do in our lives. Not only that, we must remember That as we live by every word of God, we must build a lasting relationship between us and God, between us and fellow believers, and we must point the world to God. Relationships are critical to God, important, critically important in Christian life. God is raising a challenge for you and me. That as He invests His grace and glory upon our lives. As He calls us to walk after Him. In spirit and in truth. We must trust Him. We must get to know Him. We must align our lives with His own. We must have an intimate communion. And unity with Him, an intimacy that cannot be turned off. God wants us to build a lasting relationship. He wants our words, our thoughts, our actions to be dictated by His Word. Now, David was a man who really, really, really knew God. He made many mistakes. There was no sin in the book that he did not commit. But somebody said, David never went back to the same sin a second time. Anytime God rebuked him, he didn't go back to it. And each time we will say, God, uh, I'm in your hand. Do with me what you will. Like we learned yesterday, he never ever pretended about sin. Anytime God confronted him, he owned up. And he allowed the word of God to mold his future And God sustained him to the very end. May God sustain you to the very end in the name of Jesus. There are wise virgins. There are foolish virgins. All of them virgins. All of them Christians. All of them believers. They had lamps that were burning. You could say the spirit was alive and well in their lives. But one little detail... Separated the wise ones from the foolish ones. Oil. What is oil? Something internal that makes our external life effective. That which is on the inside that enables us to burn brighter on the outside. It is important that these things be put in their proper perspective. Unless the inner, you know, inner department is put in, their, in its right course. We will not be what God wants us to be. No wonder the word of God recorded that because something was missing, these particular ones were considered foolish. I don't know what the oil for you is. What is your quiet time like every morning? Do you still have time to kneel down and and get directions from God? Do you still have time to devote yourself to the study of the word of God? When last did you take a subject and decide to study and go through it in scriptures? Just to get to know what God wants you to do. I must confess that some of us, when we were much younger, we did far more work than we are doing now. I remember in those days, I would sit down and write a sermon to myself. I wasn't giving it to anybody. I wasn't publishing it. I was just putting my thoughts on paper. I would take one topic and study it, and write and write and write, and put it in my box. I was learning to live by the word, and letting the word become part of me. Has the word of God filtered into the words you speak, do you find that when you talk, the words you talk are the words of scriptures? There are people, I, don't, I may not know whether they are believers or not, but once they talk, I say that person is a Christian. His choice of words tells me that he's a child of God. Can somebody say that of you? The word of God says that the stronghold of our lives is our thoughts. Has the word of God permeated your thoughts? Have you allowed it to be domiciled in your heart and mind? Have you allowed the word of God to possess you through and through so that every fiber of your being is made subject to the word? Don't you understand that if you are sick and your body refuses to respond to treatment, it can respond to the word of God? God is laying a challenge before us today. As sons of the kingdom. As seeds that have become good seeds. We are called upon. To walk. In the fullness. Of God's grace. And power. Like I said. Tomorrow God helping us in the service. We will round up. As we look at the story of the two souls. Saul. The son of Kish and Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, And we will see how one walked, lived by every word of God and ended his testimony on a clear and notable level. And we'll see how another toyed with the word and faced the challenge of damnation. For tonight, the challenge is on your part. Are you living by every word of God? Are you walking by every word of God? Is the word of God the law and the rule for your life? Let us pray. I want you to take a little time and meditate on what we have shared today. Even from where we started to talk about the Jews. And their peculiar Heritage. Do you see yourself as being in even a a better and more privileged position? A miracle follows you when you live by every word of God. Every challenge, every obstacle becomes subject to the authority of God when you live by every word of God. You draw down heaven's resources. Upon your life and circumstances. When you walk by every word of God. You put a responsibility on God to fight your battles. When you live by every word of God. Can you make a decision tonight? And say Lord Jesus. Help me. Help me. Help me to live by every word of God. Help me to internalize it. Ingrain it into my being. Fashion it into the fibers of my being. So that the law of my life will be your word. Tell God that the law of God will be the law for your family. The word of God even as you rule in your family, you will be directed by the word. Lord, we lift up your name. Oh, Lord, we lift up your name. Lord, we lift up your name.
1: Lord, we lift up your name above every other,
0: above every other name. Lord, we lift up your name,
1: Lord, we lift up your name. Lord will lift up your name above every your time name. Lord will lift up your name. Lord will lift up your name. Lord will lift up your name. Lord,
0: We will pray one more prayer before we stop. Brethren, you have honored God by being here these two times since yesterday. And God is very clear. He said, those who honor me, I will honor. You have spent time, effort, whatever it has taken to be here. I want you to place the burden of your heart before the Lord. Place your request before the Lord. You have done the more important thing by coming and giving heed to the word of God. God will do his part. He will bring healing. He will bring deliverance. He will bring restoration. He will turn the family around. He will touch your spouse. He will impact on the atmosphere at your place of work. God honors those who honor Him. Tell God what the burden of your heart is tonight. (laughs) Seterim <laughs> giakam
1: <laughs> 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 빚, <목소리나> 빚,
0: Father, we thank you for the burdens that your people have placed before you we stand on the authority of your word and we proclaim that every obstacle shall be rolled away and every burden shall be done away with and every challenge shall be obliterated in the name of Jesus Victory comes through the Lord. That victory shall be yours tonight. You will experience that victory in your personal life. In your walk with God, you will experience victory. In your family, you will see that victory. As you deal on on day-to-day basis in your life, and as you attempt to walk by every word of God, you will see the victory of God. Thank you, dear Lord. Has the mouth of the Lord not spoken? Shall the zeal of the Lord not accomplish? The Lord will uphold by His strong and mighty hand. He will defend and He will uphold. He will strengthen and He will promote. Thank you, dear Lord. May the words we have heard with our outward ears be engraved upon our hearts and produce fruit unto everlasting life.